Welcome to the Geek Exploration, the podcast uh, creator's corner. I'm Ben Robinson. And I'm John Williams. And here we are with Kevin Cole, creator of Space Kings and uh, many other things, as we'll discover. Um, what do we do? It's been it's been so long since we did. We just go right into it, <laughs> yeah, don't we? Yeah, I think we, hey, t- how you we doing, talk Kevin? to Kevin. <laughs> hey, Ben and John. Thanks so much for having me on. Absolutely. Let's just have you tell us a little bit about yourself first. So I I make a lot of different stuff. I uh, typically make video games. Back in 2020, I did sort of uh, a, a year where I made one video game every month uh, and put it out on the internet. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. That was really fun. I do still make games, just not like strictly every month. I mostly fund that through my Patreon. This month is a big one for me because uh, I'm I'm actually rele- I released uh, Space Kings, which is my tabletop RPG. Yeah, that uses playing cards instead of dice. That's sort of been my main focus this month is promoting Space Kings and getting the word out. But it actually sort of rose to whatever popularity it has because I made a podcast with it called Pretend Friends with my friends Paul, Nick, and Josh from uh, Continue Fame. And uh, yeah, I make a lot of different things. Uh, I'm on a Goosebumps uh, podcast called Goosebuds. So yeah, like video games, tabletop RPGs, podcasts, I, I make a lot of different things and just kind of generally try to exist on the internet. Like a 21st century renaissance man. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, let's, uh, let's promote your big thing right up top. Let's get right into Space Kings. You mentioned that, that it's played through playing cards rather than dice. That's yep. a, un- a unique mechanic there. But what else can, uh, can one look for or expect from Space Kings? Well... I sort of designed it for my home playgroup. We wanted to be a big, unruly mob of players. At times, our table was had like 12 people around it. Oh, boy. We wanted to include people who maybe weren't so good at math. We wanted to include people who maybe wanted to have a nice drink. And we wanted to do it every week. So that all sort of led to a more uh, simplified system. And because a lot of us were improvers, I wanted to add a lot of mechanics that sort of enable like group dynamics and uh, and promote like you know kind of team buildy kind of things and yeah all this kind of swirled together for just like it, it started as a thing i just made for my group and then it turned out a lot of people had similar things where they had groups of folks who maybe weren't super uh experienced with tabletop rpgs who maybe wanted to run a tabletop rpg because they had so many ideas it's just they couldn't keep all the math in their head I can appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Space Kings kind of uh, exists um, in, in uh, it's a little bit more uh, complex than maybe like a one pager RPG, but it's not quite as, uh, sorry, my cat just knocked some shit over. It's, uh, it's not quite as complex as maybe like your Dungeons or Dragons or, or your big, thick textbook uh, RPGs. Crunchy RPG. Yeah, it's it's yeah. fairly rules light. Yes. Like yeah. I flipped through the book. We did like a session zero with the Rapidians. Willie's going to run a game. Oh, nice. He's moving into that now because we just finished up our D&D campaign that I play with them every Friday. And we're going to move into Space Kings now. Oh, So we did like a a character creation session and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. It looks like it's a lot of fun. Well, I hope you have a great time. I love uh, I love uh, the Grand Rapidians Play video games podcast. They're super nice and their their stuff is great. But yeah, that's exciting that uh, it's getting out into the world and more people are playing it. Can I ask you about your character? Yeah, absolutely. So um, my character's name is Foosh. Uh, he's a sentient gas creature that uh, exists inside of like a spacesuit, <laughs> and uh, he he is uh, he's fr- from the planet Fars, so he is a Farshan. Love it. <laughs> I I love how people just seem to get the vibe of Space Kings. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? It's not like D&D or something where you've got like all these races with all these different abilities. It's just like, mm. hey, come up with a cool concept yeah, make for your character cool. for, for this goofy-ass sci-fi game and have fun. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that's usually how I come up with like my D&D characters, too. They usually start with a concept anyway, and then I got to figure out how to make the rules... Mm-hmm. Im- you know how to implement it through the rules and so now i don't even have to worry about that i could just come up with a stupid sentient <laughs> fart in a spacesuit and uh be like yeah that's my guy <laughs> yeah like i i joked around about you know it, you know being thankful that that the uh the rules are a little more loose than like a 5e or something but but like that that is reality for me because i've only taken part in a couple D games 
Hmm. I'm not a big uh, tabletop RPG head, but they invited me in on this and it was really, it was accessible. Like, like once <laughs> I started understanding how the, how the character sheet and everything worked, I was like, okay, oh, I get this. And like, I'm not the most like off the top of my head, creative person. So I, I just, uh, I poached a character from our comic book. Who's coming up he's like a space hero named, uh, Ray Gunderson. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> and I, it's, it's, it's fun to actually like, it's going to help me, you know, write the character in yeah. the future based on, you know, yeah, getting get getting to play, to play with him a bit. Yeah, yeah. like I, I get to have a space adventure with him outside of the comic book. Oh man, that's so exciting. That's really cool. Um man, it's so cool that people are playing it. I'm just I'm still sort of blown away that it's a thing that exists because we've been working on this thing for uh like well, we've been working on it for about nine years, all told, and uh, we've wow. been playtesting it just sort of in our own little like ecosystem for about six, and then we sort of let it out into the world three years ago. Now, if there's finally a book, and uh, yeah, it's all out there. That's cool that you're uh, using it as sort of like a writing tool. I've I've heard a couple people use it for that purpose too, and it's always like, oh, I'm helping people. That's wild. <laughs> Well, yeah, because the 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 looseness of of the rules make it so accessible to where mm. it's like you know. We have, I, I love that we have a little freedom to create our own sort of weapons and moves and stuff yeah. as long as it's, as long as it's within, you know, a certain range, you know, it's like, I don't, I don't have to pick like, you know, a, a certain kind of elven sword or dwarvish <laughs> axe that already has its own built in things. Like I, I get to have more creative freedom with it as a player. I appreciate that. Even if I'm not the most improvisational. Yeah. I like crunchy RPGs a whole lot. And I don't really have the group to play them with, uh, and and that's fine. I I think like finding a game to fit your group is actually really good. I think some of the most important tools in Space Kings are actually there for the hosts, which is what we call the game master, and that's because we kind of wanted a, as light a burden on the host as possible, so that folks could have like their weekly game, and the the person running it wouldn't have to like you know flip out. Like all you need is a couple minutes of prep, and you can run a Space King system pretty pretty well. Well, flipping through the book, it gives a little bit more guidance than like a one page RPG, like the one pagers does. Like the, those are fun when you go in and, you know, it's super loose, like a honey heist or, yeah, you know, yeah. um, lasers and feelings or something like that. Quick question for people like me or people who, who don't, uh, have any experience with, uh, RPGs. What is a one pager? Okay. Well, it's basically all the rules are just on one page. They're usually fairly simple. Like board know. game rules. Very like uh, just improv based where they give you, you know, here's this simple thing you do to determine whether it's not something succeeds. Here's the goal of the game. That's it. And you kind of just fill in all the blanks. Okay. And so as someone running one of those games, like I'm fairly comfortable running one of those because I, you know, I'll just make shit up on the fly. And I've got a lot of time playing tabletop RPGs where I've got a, a loose idea of like, yes, if this fails, this is a thing that should happen. If this succeeds, this should happen. You know, I've got an idea of the general mechanics. But if you're going into it and you don't have that base, I, I could see feeling a little bit lost as to where to steer the ship. Okay. Mm. Where Space King seems like it gives you a, a few more tools to understand, you know, here's how you resolve things. Yeah. It, it, mostly we're, we're trying to say don't plan too much. Like, this is a yes. collaborative storytelling game. Like, let your players do some of the heavy lifting for you. But just some very simple improv rules, like, uh, uh, you know, yes and, and, mm -hmm. you know, um, if like a little plot thread isn't resolved, we recommend folks keep a loose ends list so that in a, for a future episode, they can be like, oh yeah, like we did kind of shoot that villain off into space and like nothing really came of it. What if he comes back? <laughs> did we leave that guy in the trunk? I think we yeah. left him in the trunk. <laughs> it's funny that, that, you know, I... I hadn't thought um, any bigger than, you know, just sort of like, oh, cool, I get to develop my character through this. But then you were you mentioned, uh, Kevin, that people are using it as a writing tool. And like just what we were just saying just now, like it, it does seem like it would be a super cool tool for uh, for writing an entire story. Hmm. And like you said, keeping that that uh, that dangling threads list like that's perfect because then it's like yeah. later on, you're like, oh, yeah, look, we planned this. That, <laughs> yeah. that's, I'm, I'm a huge fan of that in storytelling when, when it brings something back that that was just you know, a throwaway dangled threat. That's probably one of my favorite things as a DM when you can play it off like you planned something. <laughs> exactly. Or like your, yeah. your, your players come up with a really cool idea. Like they they think they figured something out and it's totally different than what you had. And you're like, yeah, good job, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you really picked up what I was putting down. <laughs> one of the other mechanics in the game that uh, like uh, we kind of lucked into is the fact that you're flipping cards and the cards go in a discard pile 
means that unlike D&D, where a character can just roll like really well or really poorly all game or a mix of the two, you always have a certain number of success cards in your deck. So if you're doing like really poorly at the beginning of a game, just flipping, uh, you know, bad cards and like having having everything go wrong, you know that all your successes are bunched up at the bottom of the deck and you're going to have yep. your like big heroic moment coming up. And on the flip side, if you're doing really well at the start of a game, you know that like, <laughs> you know, your hubris is going to catch up with you. Yeah, that is interesting because there, there's that dread where it's like, yeah. oh, I know that there is something in here that is going to fuck me at some point <laughs> and it hasn't done it yet. Yeah, I'm 30 cards in and I haven't drawn a joker yet. Yeah, yeah. although con- conversely, if somebody draws the two jokers in their first turn, then you're like, okay, I'm I'm. <laughs> I don't have to worry about this anymore. This is yeah. pretty great. <laughs> yeah, you're 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 uh, unstoppable, uh, assuming like you're not dead. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I guess one thing we missed was like so we, you talked about the the vibe of Space Kings and kind of mm. like you know um, I, I we should probably let the listeners in on like what is the setting? What is the what is the vibe you're going for with this game? So uh, so the vibe we're kind of shooting for is this over the top like maybe verging on childish uh, sort of high science fiction adventure universe of your own choosing. We include a lot of example character species and settings and stuff that sort of like gently nudge you into a, this is a space to, you know, sort of like make your friends like laugh and like you can introduce cool characters, but like eventually you're going to learn to care about this space. Like we have, we have just tons and tons of like little in jokes purely for our own enjoyment throughout the book. And it would be kind of, I think, narcissistic of us to put those in there if we weren't trying to say, look, you're going to cultivate your own in jokes. You're going to cultivate your own universe. Everything you put into the world is going to matter eventually. We've had a lot of sessions where like we fight a giant ham golem and we're all like we're all like laughing at how funny we are. <laughs> and then like a few episodes later, we'll meet the ham golem's parents and we'll be like, so that's why he was like that. And it'll be like a big <laughs> like solemn moment just because of object permanence, just because of like uh, consequences for actions. So the vibe of Space Kings is Here's your silly, funny character named like uh, Fart Skidman or something like that. And, you know, 20 episodes later, Fart Skidman's going to like heroically ride a nuke into the sun. And you're going to be like, man, Skidman was the best of us. <laughs> so is that an actual character? <laughs> Fart Skidman? No, yeah. that, was, that was an improvisation. That was off the top. All right. You heard it here first, folks. We own it. <laughs> Fart Skidman, come to Space Oddities. No, I'm just kidding. Who did the cover art? for space kings because i think it captures the the vibe of space kings really well all of the art in the book is done by brian shepherd who is uh an illustrator and has been my best friend since sixth grade we both grew up in the same hometown uh we went through like middle school and high school together and we've just been like really really good friends and he's the one who designed the space king sheet and uh he's the one who did all the art for the book the cover is just like this the, the, it, you're right it just so totally encapsulates the vibe of just like you expect to see like somebody with a ray gun but it's, instead it's somebody with a microphone doing like a big like belty power cord thing yeah foot on a skull while a humanoid <laughs> walrus is like yep. lifting a skeleton above their head and someone's on like a hoverboard in the background it's like yeah. <laughs> it's lovely <laughs> and we never like really explain what's going on in that but it's like that that's the whole thing like that's the vibe <laughs> See, and, and any anybody who knows us or listens to the show knows that we we love goofball space humor. You know, like, like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is such a huge influence to us yes, in, in yeah. some of the creative endeavors we do. So it, it was fun to, you know, at least for that zero session to come in and to have the freedom to play in that in a world like that. Because with with D&D, you know, we've got some serious players and some people who who know what they're doing and they take it very seriously. And it's like. I feel out of place hmm. in a place like that. I'm like, I, I know there are rules that I have to adhere to and it's, it's difficult. So with this having the freedom and then also the examples in, in the book, like when you're, when you're picking your weapons and you're picking your traits and I'm sorry if I'm misusing the, uh, the terms, it's been a few weeks. No, that's right. I appreciate that there are examples there. So, mm. so you, you go like, oh, okay, they, they give me, you know, this A example of something that's really ridiculous and out there. So it's like, oh, I'm allowed to play yeah. in that zone. Like, like I'm, I'm allowed to just, you know, Ben's allowed to come up with a character that is a fart in a space suit. <laughs> you know, like it, it's, 
it's uh it's it's pretty it's pretty brilliant and it's like it's familiar enough but it's different enough to have a totally different feel than uh than other tabletop rpgs yeah, we really wanted uh, folks to be able to show up to our table sort of like on the fly and just be able to like, be like, I don't know anything about RPGs. I'm just kind of here to grab a beer and hang out with some folks and, you know, beat away the loneliness. And we'd be like, great, <laughs> make a character. And they're like, oh, what are the rules? And it's just like, just make, just make something funny. And you can be our special guest for this episode. And like, it'll be, it'll be great. The fact that like, you don't have to know, like, uh, anything about what a bugonoid is or why the, there are blue angels in space or anything like that. You can just sort of roll with it. And I think that encourages players to add little details themselves being uh, and contribute to the world. It's really yeah, not about and just, and just play. Anything. Yeah, just play. I, I think the most complicated part of it is making the characters and it's not. It's <laughs> way easier than making one in, in D. Like once you embrace the fact that you can kind of control what the theme of your character mm. is, it's just ticking boxes and kind of putting putting some st- you know doing it, a little it, math and doing a, a small amount of math to start with and then you don't have to do any again. Yeah, yeah, that was <laughs> definitely um, a goal was to have the character sheet all fit on one page with like a big like uh, a big portion for just sketching your character if you want to do that. I did it while we were playing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I we did a lot of work. Uh, uh, mostly Brian did a lot of work making sure that character sheet really flows uh, so that you can kind of start at the top. And work your way down and fill out your character sheet just from top to bottom like that. Yeah, yeah, like like certain certain things uh, are are dependent upon what came above. Yeah, mm. like this plus one. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so speaking of goals, then, what is your current and future goals for this game? Well, right now uh, the the goals are pretty mundane. Um, we did a Kickstarter three years ago to get the book printed, so. Now we're doing fulfillment for that, and we're sending out books to the Kickstarter backers. But we bought a lot of books, uh, so we're going to try and sell them uh, on on that old internet at some point. After we uh, fulfill our Kickstarter uh, rewards and all that, uh, we're going to start selling the book online somewhere. If you go to book.spacekings.space, you'll find any information you need <laughs> pertaining to getting the physical book. Uh, and right now cool. the, um, the digital book is available on itch.io. You can find that at spacekings.space. Uh, spacekings.space is just going to kind of point you to anything Space Kings related. I love that you got the dot space domain. That's going to be cool. Yeah. <laughs> when I saw it was available, I was like, this is worth spending uh, $8 a year on. So <laughs> <laughs> beyond that, um, I am going to start expanding out Space Kings a little bit this year through my Patreon if you've played a good deal of Space Kings uh, and you're interested in uh, maybe seeing some some more uh, developments on that, I'm going to try to do a regular sort of like almost like the Unearthed Arcana that uh, Dungeons and Dragons do. I'm just going to start like putting together like rules and maybe some campaign guides and stuff like that and sort of like figuring that out and play testing that on my Patreon uh, that's at givekevinmoney.com if anyone's curious, but <laughs> that is the a wonderful URL. <laughs> <laughs> For the amount of podcasts I'm on, I do think having a simple URL that's funny is is really is really key. But um yeah, uh, I don't expect anyone just meeting me here uh, to like jump over to my Patreon instantly. Uh, but, but do it. <laughs> But um, yeah, uh, the, the goal is sort of over the next year, like expand out the rules. I want to do some more stuff with ship-to-ship combat. And I also want to get uh, Pretend Friends uh, started again, which is the podcast I uh, started with Paul, Nick, and Josh to sort of be the G.I. Joe cartoon for Space Kings, kind of. like It's just where we play Space Kings and put a story together. And a lot of people really, really like it. And a lot of people are like, We've been on hiatus for, I think, two years now, and just because the book was a lot of work to get going. So yeah. it's it's time for Pretend Friends to come back. I, I wish I could give folks a, a solid date, but we're working on something. Are past episodes available on yes. uh, on any platform right now? Yeah, yeah. If you type Pretend Friends into the podcast app of your choice, you will probably okay. find it. Great. We're also on YouTube. Again, if you just type in Pretend Friends, uh, you can go for it. So seasons uh, one and seasons three are uh, both in the a sci-fi space universe. 
and uh, three is a content is a continuation of one. But if you prefer a fantasy type actual play podcast, season two of Pretend Friends is uh, hosted by Hadley St. Clair, who's a dear friend of mine who also edited the book uh, and provided a lot of help uh, making my words something that people would want to read. <laughs> <laughs> the fantasy one, that's still the same uh, rule set. Yes. Uh, so one of the f- one of the fun things about uh, Space Kings is it's very uh, moddable. Just by swapping out different skills, you can kind of set your adventure anywhere you want. I've done a sort of suburban horror story on my podcast, Goosebuds, where uh, it's sort of like playing through a Goosebumps book. And I just did that by taking out a few skills and swapping some stuff around. I've seen uh, some folks do, there's a solar punk uh, uh, Space Kings mod. That's sort of like a fantasy noir uh, type deal that uh, is used on Three of Hearts podcast, which is another Space Kings actual play. Fantasy Hour is the fantasy mod that uh, Hadley made for uh, Pretend Friends. And um, there are some jokey ones. There's a Cowboy Kings uh, mod that's uh, where Yi and Ha are two different skills. Uh, (laughs) I'm sure it was made as a joke, but I desperately want to play it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, and that's the cool thing when it's when it's rules light like this. Mm. Like, like it's it's basically a reskinning. Like the core yeah. the core of the game is still the same thing. Yeah, you really don't have to do much uh, to switch. If you want to switch it into a different genre, you just have to like look at the skills and be like, are computers really useful here? Or should we do something different for that? Like that's yeah, kind it's of a cowboy world. Let's change that to whiskey. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man, I'm I definitely would take the whiskey mastery. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. So, well, and the, so the 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 podcast thing I think is cool because I think it seems like a fairly effective way to uh, like spread the word and get people into the game because uh, I like I heard the Rapidians talk about Pretend Friends mm. a lot. I still have not listened to it, but they've been recommending it me to listen to it for a long time. But I, I know like when I'm looking to get into a game, a, a lot of the time that's what I'll do is I'll seek out someone doing an actual play because it's, yeah. it's sometimes easier to understand how the game's played, just listening to some people play it real quick, rather than having to abstract rules into actions. Yeah, it can be really tough getting that first game together. And I I think the actual play is kind of key if you're going to put a a tabletop game out into the world. Uh, And there are a lot of really good uh, actual players doing smaller TTRPGs. Party of One pod springs to mind. Uh, Party of One's Jeff Stormer sort of exclusively does one-on-one tabletop sessions with smaller RPGs. And it's a very it's a very cool vibe, and it sort of gets the word out on these smaller games a lot better. But I think it is sort of important to show off your game in a really easy-to-consume way. And um, I know it sounds like I do a lot of random stuff, like between video games and tabletop games and podcasts, but they all do kind of feed into one another. Like, I think folks might forget I exist because games take so long to make if I weren't, if I wasn't constantly talking into this microphone. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, well, you know what? I, I think that's a, a, a good as any jumping off point to let's, uh, let's get into this, uh, one of your other ventures. I'm curious what Goosebuds is all about. So I, I honestly just heard about it this morning. So oh, awesome. I'm, you know, and, and I'm, I'm a kid of the, I mean, I was born in the eighties, but you know, grew, grew to reason in the nineties. And uh, Goosebumps was absolutely a part of my childhood, whether whether I was too old for it or not. Like maybe, maybe that was the more consumable uh, horror for me personally, because I, I loved horror movies. But I would have to be in a group of people, and they would scare me. So if so, if it was something like Goosebumps, you know, like Welcome to Dead House or Night. Of, I mean, well, the cover of Night of the Living Dummy just scared the shit out of me as a kid. <laughs> but um, what was it? One Day at Horrorland. I yeah, really liked yeah. that one too. Yeah, yeah, that but, one's um, great. So what what what's Goosebuds all about? Uh, Goosebuds is a comedy podcast uh, where me and my friends Paul Ritchie and Chad Quant read and review Goosebumps books and other uh, YA horror adjacent things and sometimes just sort of random 90s nostalgia things. Mm -hmm. It started, uh, I think, maybe like six years ago. Uh, and I've been editing it for a- about that time, but I recently joined uh, as a host about two, about one and a half years ago. It's mostly a fun, silly time. Um, Paul and Chad have both written uh, young adult fiction. Uh, Chad's written for the, uh, the the Nickelodeon Star Trek show, uh, Prodigy. Um, mm-hmm. So these are big, like, writery kind of uh, takes, but uh, we kind of tend to... The the main goal of the podcast is to sort of understand R.L. Stein and 
see these books like through with a little bit of sympathy and also you know just through that 30 year old lens of like what what is happening here like is <laughs> is the one month deadline of every book like really like grading into the fiction of of the thing why is rl stein this way why is he obsessed with the word sour why is he obsessed with the phrase falling hard on your hands and knees like oh wow <laughs> so that's something i'd never know having not uh not read many of them much less in succession so yeah w- explain a little bit more about about um you know you're saying like sympathy what are some of these things about rl stein that are that like stand out you know besides the the his overused expressions <laughs> well he's primarily a comedian he got his uh start writing uh joke books and uh, was known as Jovial Bob Stein before he was R.L. Stein. <laughs> and that sort of like Jovial jokey Bob. humor really shines through, as well as uh, I've, I've sort of been able to appreciate this about him. And we are kind of tough on old man Stein on the podcast. Like we do, we do kind of rake him over the coals more often than not. But I, I've been sort of able to appreciate him a little bit more because we recently read uh, seven uh, Strange and Ghostly Tales, which is a collection of uh, little short sto- horror short stories for kids by Brian Jakes, who did uh, Redwall and uh, Mossflower and, and that whole uh, series of small animals participating in siege warfare. And reading that, like, there are all these, like, lessons for kids, and it's like, don't steal, be nice to your mom. There's this sort of this morality in there. And at times in Bob Stein's Goosebumps, like, we long for, like, some sort of point or moral. But these are, like, like, Brian Jakes was, like, marketing to the parents and be like, give this book to your kids and you'll they'll learn something. And Bob Stein, because they were selling through, like, the uh, Scholastic Book Fair, these are just for, like, and with the, with the fantastic, like, artwork on the front, um, these are just for kids. And... They're marketed towards kids, and they're incredibly successful because they kind of meet kids on a, on their own level. A lot of times, there's no moralizing. It's just like, here's a funny joke, or this about makes sense for how things would go, or sometimes it'll just be like, parents, right? I guess everybody's got them. And that's like, <laughs> <laughs> see that this is making me want to go back and read some more Goosebumps. I mean, I've got a I've got an eight year old turning nine soon, and I mean, she's the biggest wuss on the planet, so she oh. probably won't be. I probably have to, you know come up with a really like maybe, maybe I could pick your brain about some really funny ones rather than scary ones. But like, but like you said, with the covers also, uh, another one that popped up my head was, uh, was say cheese and die. I yeah. love that one as a kid, like a, like a, a photograph with, with everyone having like a barbecue with their skeletons. I, I think, um, how I learned to fly would probably be a good one. Yeah. It's sort of, it sort of breaks from the strictly horror genre and it's more of like a, uh, a superhero tale that turns inconvenient. Okay. Fun. Yeah. She loves her superheroes. Yeah. Th- I think it is fun and it is silly. And uh, it kind of has a good lesson about fame in there because, uh, spoiler alert for how I learned to fly, kind of ends with this character deciding to like not so much like show off the the fact that they could fly just because it was so inconvenient to deal with the fame. And now they, now they fly, yeah. but just for themselves, like they fly at night and they make sure no one sees them. Not to mention some, some crazy nut in the Hills is going to, is going to shoot you down. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I, that, that, that's always been my big thing when, when they're talking about, you know, what superpower would you love? It's like, of course it's flight. Yeah. But like, that's exactly like my brain goes to two places right after that one. Yep. Getting girls. I mean, at least it did growing up you know, when, <laughs> when I was, when I was a, a young single man but, and then it goes to, Oh, someone's going to try to kill me. Yep. So it's like, oh, I, don't, I don't know. According to Stein, the government is going to want to get involved. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Is he, is he a big paranoid? <laughs> no, just, uh, just, in, oh, I mean, maybe but just in general, like if, if you've got a superpower, Oh like, yeah. The government's coming for that's you. True. That's true. You're getting dissected. Happen. Yeah, exactly. They're going to know how to, to weaponize that. <laughs> yeah. I think the last Goosebumps book that I read, read was about eight years ago when I, I read the, uh, what was it, The Night of the Blob or the, the one with the blob that. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, crap. What is it? Um, the Blob That Ate Everything? Yes. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. And that's definitely what it did in the book. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I remember, like, I read it aloud to my kids when they were small and, uh, I was surprised at how fun it was. Like, <laughs> yeah, there. Like, like it was just—it's—it's it's obviously like goofy kid stuff, but like it's—it's mm. a—it's a pretty fun read still. I'm always excited when a, the book turns out to have a little bit of depth. Uh, I think 
so right now we're we're past the original run of uh, goosebumps that happened in the '90s, and now we're in the run of goosebumps that happened in the late '90s, and that's called Goosebumps 2000. And those books are a little edgier and uh, spookier than the original Goosebumps books. Yeah, they've they've contained some of my favorite stories. Uh, Cry of the Cat is one. Uh, that features uh, a, a zombie ghost cat that creates a like undead cat tornado that terrorizes a town, and that's amazing. <laughs> as as you do. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't he write a couple of stories like for adults too? Yeah, the Fear Street books. Um, yeah, Fear Street. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. The Fear Street book is sort of like at a teen to young adult uh, or or adult uh, demographic. I personally haven't read any of them, but uh, I did edit the the episodes of uh, Goosebumps that they did read those, and uh, the the response was strong. Like they're they're fun and spooky, and uh, a, a little there's a little bit more um, time in them since they're longer, so you can kind of get more cozy with a theme or an idea or something. Now, does your show cover any of his more recent stuff? Like I'm thinking of like I think there's a Disney Plus show just beyond. Or oh. Is it on Disney Plus? It's on something just beyond. And I think there's also a uh, a graphic novel tie-in or, or graphic novel stories called Just Beyond. Is it like R.L. Stein's Just Beyond? We try to keep up, but honestly, Bob just puts out so much stuff that it's hard. There's always going to be something for us to make an episode about. Last year, we did cover the Netflix Fear Street movies, uh, which were very fun. And we've done both uh, Jack Black Goosebumps movies, which are also great. We try to do the TV oh, show yeah. a little bit. There's a musical that we've been meaning to get to that uh, <laughs> we have to With find. the Netflix Fear Street movies, were, were was there like a series of like three movies that came out and they took place like 10 years apart from each other or something? Yeah, something like that. I feel like I started to watch one once. Yeah, so it starts in the 90s and then it goes all the way back to, I think, the 60s. And then yeah. it goes all the way back to like the Puritan witch burning times. That's right. Okay, I do remember when those came out. I didn't make the uh, I didn't make the association with R.L. Stein in the moment. Uh, yeah, they're based on his works with Fear Street, but it's a new story uh, with a with a different writer and a director uh, combo. Yeah, so doesn't it have like of... the same cast in each of them? Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, cool. Uh, so. What sort of happens is you have like the the 90s cast and then you have the 60s cast and then when you go back to the the Puritan times there's like uh 60s and 90s characters sort of mingling in like this sort of like kind of filmy time removed from time sort of way. It's uh, there's a lot to like about the Fear Street stuff. Man, I think I'm going to head to the used bookstore after recording and see if I can pick up some goosebumps. I think I think maybe Maybe it's time to try it out on my kid. There's probably millions of them available. Oh, I, I remember. In fact, I remember being in there once probably within the last year with her and like showing her covers. And I mean, I probably did like the dick move and pulled out like Night of the Living Dummy first. I'm like, ah, look at this. You want this? Ah! But, uh, that, that cover still gives me chills. It freaked me out when I was a kid. I've still got a copy of the original art from the the scary stories to tell in the dark. You can show that. Oh, nice. and those creeped the fuck out of me Sheepers. when I was a kid. Yeah, no Some fucking way. Creepiest freaking art for children I've ever seen. <laughs> that is insane that that was at our book fairs. Yeah, I it loved caught, that book. Caught your eye, like like it's a, yeah, it's a smart marketing thing. For oh yeah, sure. I've, I've got I've got all three of the originals just on a on a bookshelf right next to my bed. Yeah, I love those books. If you are out looking for Goosebumps books, some of the Give Yourself Goosebumps, the the, the sort of um, choose your own adventure style Goosebumps books, some of them are really hard to find. And some of them are like 200 bucks on eBay. So if you find some of them, Whoa. you might find a rare one out there. Yeah, I mean the the bookstore I, I go to is a is a chain of used bookstores, uh, so they they do they, they, they have a vetting process. The yeah, yeah, they, <laughs> yeah. They, they look that shit up on eBay before they price it. Yeah, yeah I'll, sometimes I'll spot a book on the shelf and like this uh, this how to draw a book by Wizard that I had when I was younger, and I got rid of it like a dum dum. <laughs> And, I, and it was on the it was on the shelf, and I was like, "Oh fuck yeah, here we go!" And it was like seventy five bucks, and I was like, uh, "That's not that's not what I was excited about." So I guess uh, you know enough talking about R. L. Stein. <laughs> but in the same vein of of someone who uh, puts stuff out all the time, let's talk about your video games. Like, so you decided to make a video game a month for a year. Yeah, back in twenty twenty, um, before I knew we were going to have a global pandemic, I was like, uh, you know, it'll be a fun challenge. 
is uh, I do these jam games uh, every so often where you make, you know, a video game in like a couple of days. And I thought it would be fun for me and uh, Joe Keneally, who does all the music for my game, I thought it'd be fun to challenge ourselves and to try to make a game every month. And yeah, then the pandemic hit and I had to be inside and I was like, this is going to be easy. And uh, that was maybe one of the <laughs> hardest projects of my life. Uh, but I did I did succeed in making one video game every month for a year. Uh, I've sort of cooled my jets on that a little bit. Last year, I think I only put out like four or five games. And then this year, uh, I spent a lot of time working on another game that will be released uh, probably, probably next year that I just sort of kind of you know, built uh, gradually in my spare time and tested with my patrons and all that. And um, I put out a game called uh, Blink Blonk this year, which is just a little puzzle platformer where you're a cat. Yeah, I, I, I like to make these small, bite-sized, browser-playable little video games that, like, have a cool idea, get their idea out, and then you can go back to your day. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I played a couple of them earlier today just because I like I, I was curious what they were. And, yeah, uh, like I played Pancake Theon. Yeah, because the the, the description of a sexy breakfast punk narrative <laughs> roguelike was like, all right, I don't, I'm not sure what any what? of that means, but I'm in. <laughs> yeah, we made that <laughs> like, in a week for Seven Day RL, and uh, it was it was uh, grueling, but it was uh, it's one of my favorite projects we've put out. So do you do do you do all the art assets and everything on your uh, own? So the art for Pancake Theon was done uh, by my friend Bam, uh, and she's like so incredibly talented at illustration and art. And she did uh, art for another one of our games called uh, The Traveler in the Mountain, and she's done art for Pretend Friends as well. Uh, I just love working with Bam, so we we pulled her in when we did uh, that uh, seven day roguelike challenge, but um. If if something's like uh, pixely and chunky, that's probably me. A lot of the games are just uh, me and uh, Joe Keneally. Joe just does music, and I do the sound effects and the the art and the programming and the design and the writing and all that. So what what kind of games are these? Like having having not seen any of them yet, and uh, for the listeners who are who are just curious, like right off the bat, like are the, are these platformers or are they? Um... A lot of them are. I do a fair amount of like puzzle platformer type games. Uh, I guess sort of in the in the braid genre. Of, oh, okay, yeah. Here, here's a here's a small, big-headed character who has to push a box onto a switch. I do, I do a fair <laughs> amount of those, but uh, I, and, I, and I like developing those a lot. I do a few uh, precision platformer games. Uh, Bazooka Panic is a uh, is a precision platformer, sort of like Celeste or or Super Mario uh, World or whatever. Okay. And I also do a fair amount of roguelikes, which are sort of hack and slash dungeon crawler games. They're sort of like run-based, kind of arcadey uh, with a permadeath feature. Sometimes I combine those genres. Bazooka Panic has randomized uh, levels like a roguelike and, and sort of is run-based and you can die forever in it. I've done some visual novels working with Hadley and other various people in my circle. So what, wait, what's a visual novel? Visual novels, uh, so it's uh, it's kind of what it says on the tin. It's a game uh, where you sort of pick choices, kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure book, but it's uh, it's a, it's sort of a gentler. You're kind of like picking a uh, a story to follow, like the 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 path through. Okay, kind of like the like Telltale games. Yeah, oh, yeah, kind of okay. like that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. kind of like a very minimalist Telltale game. And I do a lot of uh, just sort of shmups, like um, Princess French Fries is just sort of like an actiony game where like you move your little uh, character around and you shoot up as like tacos and crap fly at you. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I guess it, it bears mentioning that I think most of them that you released are free on yeah. itch.io, right? Yeah, like you can just go play them and or download them. Yeah, they're almost all of them are free. Almost all of them run in your browser. So you can just kind of like, if you're at a desktop, you can just kind of click on something that interests you and have a nice little time. I try to keep them, you know, short and fun and accessible. I try to like uh, explore mechanic and, and say the thing I want to say and get out fairly fast. I, I do make longer games. Hack, H-A-Q-U-E, is, uh, was my first commercial game, and you can buy that on supertry.itch.io. And it's a roguelike with a bit of a longer, more involved story. Uh, and uh, yeah, um, kind of got some twists in that one, so it's hard to talk about without spoiling. But No problem. No, no, no. 
Yeah, no, the, uh, yeah, yeah, it's Super Try Games. I guess we should yes. tell everyone that. That's that's that is where you find it. Or, yeah, yeah. The the umbrella for when I work on stuff with my friends is usually Super Try Games or Super Try Studios. So, what got you into game development? Well, uh, I graduated from college with a BA in English uh, rhetoric, and uh, oh, I. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I tried desperately, uh, after college to get a job anywhere and I managed to get one as a site designer at a small company in Western Massachusetts. I had kind of done games as like a hobbyist sort of thing, just like nothing released or good or fun, but I, I was able to count that as programming experience. So I got a job building websites and then, um, eight months later I quit, uh, <laughs> In in anger, and um, <laughs> it's one way to do it. Yeah, I had to be told that I quit uh, by another coworker because I didn't <laughs> didn't really realize what I was doing. But um, yeah, uh, so I was like, well, I've quit my job. I have uh, I have a little bit of an understanding of program. I have more of an understanding of programming than I did. I've always wanted to make games. I didn't think I could do it previously but now i do and hey there's this wacky new website called kickstarter that folks are using so back in like the early days of kickstarter i was like hello my name is kevin cole i would like to make a video game i've never done this before but i think i can do it and uh the internet was like here's twelve uh thousand dollars go holy go, shit damn go try it and uh, yeah, I moved back home to uh, my hometown. Uh, I moved back in with my parents and I just kind of started making my first game. And that took about two years. And then I made Hack, which took another two years. What was your first game? Uh, my first game is called Project Maiden. It's very, uh, it's, it, it feels a lot like my first album. Like I'm like, I'm like there's so much uh, enthusiasm and not so much skill. It's still a great game. You can download and play it on, um, on uh, itch. But like when I, when I look at it, I'm like, ah, I'm so young. I didn't know anything what I was doing, but it's a pretty long game and it's, um, it's fairly involved. It's a bit like, um, it has many influences, but it, the the, ba the basic idea of it is it's a bit like Zelda, except you start with all the things, and every dungeon you lose one of the things, and then you learn oh, how to no. learn Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Interesting. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if I can handle that. Like, I can't handle playing Zelda because I want to have all the things, and like <laughs> having to collect all the things, and then just having them to finish the game drives me bonkers. I, I mean, I, I guess that's your difficulty curve. Yeah, like like you don't you like you don't have to scale the enemies or make anything hard. Like the game gets harder by default because you lose tools. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to revisit oh. that one day. It um it's been about yeah it's been about nine years since uh, I started uh, doing games and podcasts and stuff full time. You know, part, Project Made is big on my list of these. There are good ideas here. Maybe not a whole lot of skill. Maybe I could have tutorialized some things better. Like, I'd love to give that game another shot, even though I don't know. I don't know if there are any big Project Made heads out there who are like, when's the sequel <laughs> coming? But it, it would be it, it would be a nice I don't know, it'd be a nice project for me, I think, just to revisit all the all the dreams I had when I started out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, um, you know, I, I taught myself how to program games basically and uh now i do it full time and uh now i don't live with my with my parents anymore i actually live in an apartment nice <laughs> on up yeah what game engine do you use i write exclusively in game maker 1.4 which is not the current version of game maker it is a older uh slightly more modest version of game maker i think i have that one i think i got it in a humble bundle a long time yeah. ago yeah and it's just sitting there <laughs> uh I, I actually think i got mine in a humble bundle too, to yeah, start out they give away some cool shit we're not making games oh, with yeah. all of our free time i i've wanted to for a while it's one of those things that like every time i sit down to try and learn something about it i'm like oh god i'm so overwhelmed <laughs> i like i'll open like I, I got i downloaded unity and i'll like open unity and be like oh i don't <laughs> know what's what is happening here oh, i don't have time for this same here. I I couldn't make sense of Unity. I'm sure if I like really tried, I could I could maybe figure it out. But if you're going to start out making games, there are a lot of good resources out there. I work in GameMaker 1.4 because it's a tool that I understand and I know where all of the crap is, and I can write around anything that I can't do. I can make basically anything I want 
in Game Maker 1.4, and it's never going to change because they're not going to update it or, or do anything to it or, <laughs> or anything. It's also like one of those weird things where it's a, a piece of software that I own that I don't have to pay for every month. So yeah, no shit. Right? It seems like that's getting more and more rare. I I, I hate this whole <laughs> subscription model to keep your software thing that's occurred. It's infuriating. That's really what keeps me from uh, recommending uh, Game Maker 2 with my whole chest. Although. Game Maker 2, while it costs a monthly fee, I think it is a fairly good thing to learn game making on if you want to be a solo dev. I'm not I'm not positive on how good like the how how good it is to make games with like a with like a team via Game Maker 2, but uh, it's pretty good as a solo person to start making games on. Uh, Godot, I also hear is very good. Yeah, and I've had some fun messing around in. Um, Oh, what's it called? Uh, uh, there's some other smaller engines out there. There's lot. There's lots of there. There's lots of uh, tutorials out there. I'd say if you want to get involved in game design and you are trying to figure out if programming is a thing you like, uh, try modding a game that you really enjoy. That'll sort of teach you a little bit about the guts of the inside of, of one of your favorite games. Oh, I, yeah. I got my start doing cave story mods where I'd change the sprites around. And that kind of got me more curious about programming. But also, it just taught me to Google the right things, you know? Like, it just taught me to be like, how come when I change these values, the game crashes? It's like, well, that's because it, you opened it in uh, Notepad, and Notepad had to simplify some of the things, and you have to uh, open it in a different kind of Notepad, which you can get yeah. here. I'm like, and I'm like, I wouldn't oh. have the patience for for that sort of thing. Like, I, I it, it, like the the second one thing crashed, I would probably just give up on it. But but I think like as far as I would get, like you're talking about modding, I'd probably be one of those guys doing doing those like. Mega Man in Contra mods or yeah, something, something yeah. like that. Or, you know, like putting Mega Man into a Mario game and just shooting everybody like that. That would be a lot of fun. I, I see. I watch those videos on YouTube and I'd love to play. I think I even saw one where it was like Godzilla in Contra or something. I, was he I, scaled? I, I know. I don't think no. He was, he was big. He just his feet. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. No, he, he, he probably would have been like a 25 foot Godzilla. <laughs> that's, still, that's pretty yeah, hefty. Yeah, he was big for the. How's he fit level. down that hallway? In the oh, I don't know. I only watched there. the first level. Confidence, <laughs> confidence is how he does it. Yeah, he's <laughs> crawling. Yeah, yeah. My, my my son really wants to get in. Like I, I got a humble bundle that had like a learn how to use Unity thing, and, yeah. and so it's got all these tutorial videos. And we went through about half of them, and I think he's he's twelve, so it's mm. it was a little you know I think it that it was a little overwhelming for him as well, but uh, he's got the interest, and I've got like a couple game concepts in my mind, like I'd like to do something with him, but I got to find the the time to to do it, and that's the, yeah. the tough part of it. Like if I already knew how to do it, I'd be like cool, I'll make yeah. this happen, but I have to <laughs> yeah. like learn how to do it to do it, and then like I don't want to learn how to do it with the concept in my brain because then I'm going to do a shitty job of it. I'm sure, so I got to you know. You're only going to learn the things steps. that you have to do yeah. to to yeah. I mean, we could just leave our families. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'd have we'd have lots of time, and then once we're successful and rich, then then we'll buy their love back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I do not really see video games as the path to riches that I once did. Yeah. Oh, well then comic books and podcasting. We're, 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 that, that's our track then. We'll stick to it. Honestly, podcasts pay my rent. Like video games buy my groceries, oh, but it's podcasts that pay my rent, both editing and, and uh, hosting them. Like, I don't understand why that is, but like I've been trying to get, you know, my, you know, the amount I earn from games up for years. And it's really a complicated struggle. Like uh, I'll do a successful Kickstarter or two, but that's, not exactly the most like stable income ever. Yeah. yeah. So well, and they're 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 both podcasts and video games these days are are flooded markets. Like, yes. There's so yeah. much content. Like, it's really hard to stand out or make waves in either one of those. What I are you totally talking about? Agree. We're we're a couple of white geeks that that talk about <laughs> geeky stuff. Yeah. You know, two, in, in, two in their white guys age. in their thirties talking yeah. about stuff. Uh, <laughs> Well, 30s for now. Oh no! One more week, and, and, I'm, and I'm I'm in my 40s. Hey, that'll be our interesting new dynamic. Yeah, all right. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're not exactly unique. It's tough, but I think something I've found is uh, cultivating a quality of of uh, audience member over a quantity of audience member has definitely been 
the like the best thing for me. Like uh, Space King sales are doing pretty good right now. But one thing that's really like striking me about uh, folks who are buying Space Kings is that they're tipping us. They are giving us more money than what we are asking for on itch to get the thing because they really like our stuff and they really like us. And we try, I, I try to put a lot of my personality out there because I want folks to have a more human connection with the games I make. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think it's really difficult to be like the face for your art. A lot of the times, a lot of artists would just prefer to make the art and not have to worry about, um, Oh yeah. It's hard to sell yourself. It. Yeah. It's hard. It sucks too. Yeah. It can be scary, but yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Podcasting was sort of the way that made sense to me to start marketing the art I make. Yeah. I, I think everybody maybe has like a weird skill, uh, apart from like the skill they think is their main skill that can help them uh, find success in the field they like. Yeah. And, and with podcasts, your, your voice and your personality is what's shining through. Like you're, mm. you're not having to look somebody in the eye and be like, I think I deserve this much money for this. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's, really weird like even if i'm doing like a comic convention and and i i'm speaking to people face to face like i just i don't want them to ask me how much something is because because <laughs> like every single time like even if it's like a, a mini print and it's five bucks and that's totally like either standard or lower than standard i think i usually put my prices a little lower than standard anyway yeah and i still feel like when i'm saying the price that like i don't want to look them in the eyes i don't want to see the look on their face if they're like oh no it's not worth that or just like oh how could you be charging that much you it's not worth that i don't know it's it's dumb yeah folks on the internet will let you know <laughs> oh geez at least you don't have to look them in the face yeah, yeah. You can just ig- they're easier to easier to ignore like if you're sitting at a booth and someone walks up to you you can't just pretend they're not there anymore yeah yeah or it's it's some like kid you know and you're and yeah you're, like he's like but i only have two dollars or something but, but like when you when you hear something on the internet and somebody's talking shit about your prices you can just imagine that they're some real piece of shit like this person is just the fucking scum of the earth so their their opinion doesn't matter or it doesn't have to matter yeah every time Can't i like, do that to timmy get get a wild hair up my ass to like confront somebody about like saying a like milk toast like mean thing about me on the internet there i was like i'm sorry i was drunk or i was having a bad day or something like that and i'm like don't make me imagine you as a three-dimensional person (laughs) (laughs) wait you mean you have flaws too (laughs) (laughs) yeah selling stuff is very hard (laughs) i yeah yeah it is yeah. It is by far my least favorite part of this pro of the creative process is yeah, uh, making stuff rules, selling stuff. Ugh. Yeah. And, and also, you know, like with, with, with the Kickstarters that we've run, you know, we're not doing it to make any sort of profit. We're doing it right now because we love it and we want to get it done and then put it out there as a big thing. But yeah, you know, printing cost is not low no. and the cost of a colorist for a comic book is also not low, but so it's, you know, those are the two things that we can't just do on our own. So, um, Oh, I forgot where I was going with this. It'd be nice to do it to make a profit like that. It would be yeah, cool yeah. to get paid for our labor, but. <laughs> but that was sort of the original like goal of Kickstarter. It was, you know, there's a thing that you want to exist. And the only thing standing between you and that thing is money and time. And Kickstarter yeah. can help, kind of help you solve that. It's since become this thing that like corporations use to test whether or not folks will yeah. buy things. Yeah, you've got like actual comic book companies running Kickstarter campaigns. Yeah. It's like, wait, why why are you why are you a com- like why are you doing this? I don't know. I don't I don't get it. Well, I mean, I guess they have struggles too, but if you've got <laughs> Keanu Reeves's name as a writer on a comic book, you know, you it's going to sell. You're going to get your pre-orders, you're going to make your money. You don't need to also go to Kickstarter with it. Yeah, it's um it's a weird sort of uh vibe out there. And it's interesting to see other uh Kickstarter competitors sort of pop up with Kickstarters like uh, embrace of NFTs and all that. Like it's interesting to see like maybe folks are going to be more uh willing to go over to different uh platforms other than Kickstarter. Yeah, and it's it, yeah, it's a weird ecosystem too cuz like on the comic side like we've noticed there's certain things that like seem to sell really really well like, like the, yeah like boobs like if you got a comic with a with big scantily clad boobs on the cover 
Yeah. I kind of want to sell out on our next comic book and just just, just have some big old yeah, we, like, soggy jugs on the front. <laughs> yeah, like, like, oh, that sounded gross. But they, <laughs> I don't know if that's what they're looking for. They, you if, know, if, if they're in a tank top, that's what they're looking maybe. for. I don't know about soggy. No, just, just that like <laughs> dripping wet tank top yeah, on there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, for what it's worth, I remembered my point earlier. Nice. We were talking about how selling is the worst part. What I was thinking of is like going through all that shitty bit of selling to be able to afford the costs of creating mm. the thing like leads to the best part of it, which is yeah. having the thing like complete and in your hand. Yeah. So that that's the only reason why I can even stand to do it because I can't I can't do it on my own otherwise. But but I need this colorist and I need this thing to be printed for this thing to fully exist. It's so unreal holding the final physical product in your hand. And this is kind of my yeah. first time. With because like I've done video games before and I just sell those on on Steam or Itch or whatever and I don't have yeah, to you worry burn about... it to a CD but that's not quite the same. Yeah, I thought about doing that. Like it would be fun to release something <laughs> on a floppy disk, but uh, you know, or you know, maybe that's something down the line. But like it was a lot of work putting like this book together. Like we had a we had Brian Townsend do the layout. I had to learn new things about books that I didn't know, and it was um it was a lot of work and like. Finally, like holding the book in my hand um, mm-hmm. after like three years of work putting it together, I'm like, oh, I get it. It's a thing and it exists now. <laughs> it's because yeah. of all that work we did. Oh, I can touch it. I can <laughs> rub it against my face. It. Yeah. <laughs> I can take it into the bathroom and read it. Yeah. It's not, it's not a real uh, RPG book until you spill something on it, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw the pic that you posted with the like the giant stack of boxes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is that is a hefty amount of boxes. Because it, it it's it's hardcover, right? Yeah, it's hardcover. Um yeah. it, it's um it's uh, digest size, so it's like um it's it, it's smaller than like a um a uh a, a Dungeons and Dragons book. It's I think about half the size, maybe. Is like five by eight or, uh, or even smaller? It's uh eight and a half by five and a half, I think. Okay. Yeah. 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 Kind of like the Moleskine journal size. Yeah. But uh yeah, like when you pack thirty of them in a box, they're they're fucking heavy. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good size for a book like this. Like mm. The the D&D books are, when you have them at a table behind a, a, a DM screen and you got your character sheets and all your stuff yeah. there, like, it's too fucking big. <laughs> yeah, like, I have a little satchel that I cram all my magic cards in and this book just kind of slides right into it. And I'm like, ha couldn't do that with a D&D book. Indie forever. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have anything you want to plug? You want to tell people where they can find you? Uh, it sure. sounds like there's a lot of places they can yeah, find you. Yeah, we definitely need to hit a very concise, like, these are all the places you can find all of these things we've talked about. Okay, I think I can do that. Thanks, thanks to my uh, strategic URL purchases. <laughs> I think I might be able to do this, but it might, it might take a little time. Okay, um, hi, I'm Kevin Cole. Uh, if you liked all of the things I said into this microphone and you want to read them with your eyes, you can go to twitter.com slash realkevincole and follow me there and you'll know about all the stuff i make if you want to play some cool uh free video games or maybe buy a video game uh you can go to supertrystudios.com or supertry.itch.io a lot of my games are there they're browser playable they don't take very long and i think they're very good if you want to hear my voice talk about goosebumps books you can head over to goosebuds pod that's on youtube and on various other uh podcast related sites uh, if you want to play my latest game, Space Kings, the tabletop RPG that we've been talking about, you can go to spacekings.space and you can buy the PDF right there. If you're interested in the physical book, uh, we aren't selling it quite yet, but you can get on uh, an email list for uh, a notification when it drops. If you go to book.spacekings.space, if you want to hear Space Kings in, in action, you can go and check out Pretend Friends, a podcast where I play Space Kings with my friends, Paul, Nick, and Josh. and um, is that all the things? Games, podcasts? Oh, if um, if you've been following me for a while now, like if you jumped over and, and uh, just like listen to my stuff all over the internet or play my stuff and you think that I'm pretty cool and you want to maybe throw me like a couple of dollars, you can go to givekevinmoney.com. Um, I've, I make a lot of secret stuff that I don't publicize on the internet, like secret video games and secret podcasts. So if you want more mm-hmm. of my stuff uh, and you have some dollars that you, you hate and you want to get rid of, go to givekevinmoney.com and I can help you out. <laughs> Those real jerk dollars. Yeah, a piece <laughs> of shit just sitting in my wallet. <laughs> I'll, do, I'll do my part. <laughs> 
Thank you, Kevin, for, for joining <laughs> us today. This is super cool. I, I, I feel like I, like I learned a couple things and I definitely learned of a couple things that I want to go and experience. Nice. So I'm stoked. Yeah, appreciate you dropping by. I'm I'm super stoked to play Space Kings. Like I'm, I was really hoping that we'd have gotten a chance to play it before now, but uh, I'll get a chance to play it after now. You know, yeah, your it, fucking D and D game illusion. took too long. Hey, definitely feel free to check in with me once you've played a little bit. I'd love to hear what you guys think of the game. And I had so much fun on the podcast. Thank you again for having me on. Of course, yeah, pleasure. Well, and um, if you want to get in touch with our show, uh, you can uh, hit us up at email at geeksplorationpodcast.com. You can find us on the social medias, Facebook Geek Exploration, the podcast page, Instagram Geek Exploration Podcast, where I finally started posting things. Nice. Oh, I'm playing catch up on episode art. Um, <laughs> or Twitter at Geeks, whoa, Geek Explore Pod. There it is. There's no woe in there. It's just Geek Explore Pod. <laughs> um, you can also call us up at 916-ORC-TURD. That is 916-O-R-C-T-U-R-D. Leave a message. Uh, we'll play it on the show. It can be about anything. Uh, a topic we've talked about, topic you want us to talk about, um, uh, disciplining your children effectively, <laughs> but uh, non-fatally. Uh, we'll, or we'll, fatally. I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, well, I mean <laughs> don't incriminate yourself. Yes. But I don't know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> And if you enjoyed today's show, uh, drop by Podchaser or uh, Apple Podcasts and give us one of those uh, five star reviews. We will, will if you give us one of those, we'll also read that on the show and and, and gush about how much we love you. Uh, we've got a Discord. Uh, the link is in the show notes. Uh, we've got swag at shop.exploration.podcast.com and our theme song is uh, oh for this one, you know I don't remember the dude's name. He's dead and it's and it's. Uh, public domain so but it's the theme from masterpiece theater oh is it public domain yeah totally oh okay see that was yeah, my so fear when here. you chose that one i was just like oh shit like i mean we're not gonna be big enough to get sued but no some french guy <laughs> from the 1600s guys guys super dead oh I'm not worried about fuck it. that yeah. all right great <laughs> i like it i like it more now bye everybody later bye